<laughs> just tear it up. Just tear it up. <laughs> yes, this is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And this October and November, the Tennessee Department of Health is promoting breast and lung cancer awareness with the annual Pink and Pearl campaign. The Pink and Pearl campaign combines the pink ribbon, a recognized symbol for breast cancer awareness, with the pearl ribbon representing lung cancer awareness. While breast cancer is the most common new cancer in female Tennesseans, lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death for both men and women. Therefore, routine cancer screenings are incredibly important and essential to your life health plan and increases your chance of survive, surviving a cancer diagnosis. Well, as far as these screenings are concerned, the, the current federal health guidelines recommend women begin regular mammogram screenings at the age of 50. Women should talk to their health care provider and, and can visit the CDC's Breast Cancer Awareness webpage for more information. And then I learned the Tennessee Breast and Cervical Screening Program provides breast and cervical screening services to uninsured and underinsured women and diagnostic testing for qualifying men and women uninsured and underinsured individuals requiring treatment for breast or cervical cancer or for precancerous conditions of these diseases may qualify for 10 care coverage through the presumptive eligibility program <laughs> eligibility there it is so um, in other words take care of yourself um, take advantage of programs that are there for us. And let's get screened. Do we have any cancer survivors in the house? Can you just raise your hand? Any cancer survivors in the house? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And then um, if you live in Franklin, Tennessee, can you raise your hand? You live in Franklin, Tennessee. Okay. It's a lot of y'all. If you have not voted, make sure you go vote on Thursday. Amen? Got to vote for mayor and alderman. Make sure, you, make sure you vote. Tuesday. Excuse me. What did I say? Thursday. Tuesday. Yep, see? I'd have messed y'all up. Y'all have showed up Thursday talking about my pastor said. No. Tuesday. Tuesday is voting day if you haven't already voted. And then also... Um, I want to thank the church for all the kind cards and gifts that you've given for Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, I don't need Pastor Appreciation Month to feel appreciated around here. Um, you, you guys are so loving. You don't wait for October to start being nice to me. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate it. And so does Pastor Jerry and the staff. But I wanted to read um, one letter. The first one I opened up and... Um, it, it, it sent me to tears, and I hope I don't cry now reading it. I will not say her name, and, and somebody's going to try to figure out who it is. Stop. Just let me read it. But this is an appreciation card to the pastors, the elders, and the staff. 
And it says, this is a long overdue thank you note for the blessing you gave out for teacher appreciation. This generous gift was such a blessing to me that was truly unexpected. I knew I was getting a gift, but I was so shocked that it was for so much money. I was able to buy a plane ticket to go home for Christmas and to do some much needed car repairs. I've been a teacher and a member of Strong Tower for 25 years. Both have been a blessing in my life. As some of you know, I went through a bad divorce with an emotionally abusive relationship and lots of baggage to heal from. Coming back to Strong Tower last September after four years away has been key to my ongoing healing. I can't really explain in words what my church family means to me and what a pit of depression I was in. I never wanted to leave Strong Tower. I did because of my ex, and that separation was a true it was a time of greed, sadness, and grief for me, of great sadness and grief for me, coming back, meeting new friends, the worship, the teaching, the fellowship, and family, healing emotionally and spiritually, and the appreciation of a church family and teaching that is like no other has been a real blessing to me. Thank you, Strong Tower. My God. Huh. Okay, Jen, we love you, girl. We love you. It was Jen. We love you. Thank you. Man, wow. All right. So I am going to uh, pray so you can give me my nice little music now. All right. We've talked about the person of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the partnership of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit and today part one, the produce of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful that by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greek, men or women, rich or poor, slave or free, we've been all given the same spirit to drink. And oh, is he so precious to us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said, if I don't go away, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come. And I thank you that he not only came to be with us, but he lives in your children. We thank you that through him, we are no longer orphans, but we are adopted sons and daughters. And we know God is our father. And we cry, Abba, oh, Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you being for us. And through the spirit, thank you for living in us. Now, Lord, help me to teach and preach your word but above all help me and your people to hear the word and put it into practice we know that the devil comes and he tries to rob our destiny and our future through ignorance but Jesus you came to give us truth the truth that will set us free so Lord speak today and change us transform our minds we thank you so much in Jesus' name, amen.
And by the way, this band and Tyrus, these brothers and sisters, they are bad, y'all. They bad. bad. I just feel so appreciative this month. I just feel so appreciative. All right. Well, I'm good now. I'm good now. You ain't good now. But if you want to get on the B3 later, I'll see if I can pull something up. Yeah, we'll see what, what, what the Holy Ghost say. Man. Well, as Elder Paul alluded to earlier, there's a lot of pain in our world right now. And it seems like everyone wants to talk about the war that is occurring between Israel and Hamas. Everyone has an opinion and understandably so. Some of us are more closely attached and connected than others because of relationships that we have with people who may be over there right now. The images that we have seen have been disturbing. The reports that we've received have also been uh, paramount, tough to grasp and understand. How as God's people, we're to pray for Israel. We recognize that Israel is blessed. And yet, Israel, like America, is not perfect. Israel, like America, makes mistakes. And Israel, like America, needs to repent. Oh, I wish I could go a little further, but maybe come Wednesday night, because somebody's offended by that. You see, here's the thing. You can love a country, and that gives you the ability to critique it. Martin Luther King was criticized immensely during the Civil Rights Movement because he had the audacity to question America's priorities. And people would then question him on whether or not he loved America. He would say, no, I love America. And the proof that I love America is that I'm willing to not only critique her, but to criticize her when she's wrong. And so, oh boy, let me get out of that quicksand and come back over here because war, as I've said over and over and over again, is very complex. We don't need easy answers for complex situations that are affecting lives. <sighs> but rather than talking about the war going on over there, let's talk about the war going on in here. Let's talk about the war that's going on inside of each and every one of us. You want to talk about war? It's always easy to talk about out there and be very opinionated. No, let's bring it in and talk about what's going on in here. The Bible says in Romans chapter 7 verse 23, Paul says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Paul said, there's a war going on inside of me. James, the Lord's brother, writes in chapter 4, verse 1 of his epistle, where do wars and fights come from among you? 
do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members there's a war inside of us and then in our passage today Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 Paul says for the flesh lusts against the spirit in this context lust speaks of warring against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish what is that I wish to do like Paul said in Romans 7 I want to live for Jesus I want to please Jesus but so often the things that I want to do I don't do and the things I don't want to do I end up doing there's this war that goes on inside of me don't care how long you've been saved don't care how big your Bible is there's a war that's still going on inside of you and Paul says it's the flesh the flesh we hear that a lot what does that mean the flesh is the corrupted aspect of who you are it's the corrupted aspect of who you are it's the unredeemed or should I say yet redeemed aspect it needs to be redeemed part of your humanity the flesh seeks to live independently of God and is in constant opposition to God it, your flesh is corrupted your flesh is unredeemed your flesh desires to live independently of God your your flesh my flesh is in constant opposition to God the flesh is full of sin Romans 7 verse 17 the flesh serves the law of sin and death Romans 7 25 the evil in our flesh is exposed by the holy law of Moses Romans 7 7 so when the flesh sees the law everything in the flesh wants to break the law that's how it works the law then produces in our flesh all manner of evil desire Paul said I would not have known what coveting was if the law didn't come and tell me not to covet and that's the law of Moses which came from God what about the laws that men make up in the faith called legalism and we get confronted with these man-made laws and traditions that again arouse our flesh you give me a law I'm gonna want to break the law nothing good dwells in our flesh Romans 7 18 the flesh has a mind of its own Romans 8 verse 6 the mind it is so impulsive that your flesh can have you going down the street before you even put your shoes on like the flesh it has a mind of its own and this mind is contrary to the mind of Christ and the things of God the flesh has desires of its own Romans 13 verse 14 says but cover up with the Lord Jesus and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its desires that unredeemed part of you of me it has desires that are contrary to the person and the will of God Paul said that being a righteous man living in a wretched flesh is like being strapped to a dead body 
because the apostle Paul is writing as an apostle he's not writing when he was before Christ no no he's in Christ and he's still saying oh wretched man that I am not that I was but that I am so we are simultaneously wretched and righteous and if you're from the neighborhood you are ratchet and righteous ask your neighbor what ratchet is later but and it's been said that in Rome if you were convicted of murdering someone unlawfully or justly not in an act of self-defense that you would be given the death penalty and the way that they would do this is that they would strap the corpse of the person you murdered to you so you would be strapped uh, bound to the person you killed so that over time the disease in their body would kill you in return so when Paul says oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from this body of death he's saying I'm strapped to this this dead aspect of my humanity who is going to set me free from this and in the next verse in Romans 7 he says but thanks be to God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gives us the victory Jesus will separate us from the flesh which is why flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven and that's why this corruptible must put on incorruption this mortal must put on immortality. So on my best day, in my best moment, Paul says that sin is still with me because sin is still in me. Jesus said in John chapter six, he talked about with, with the flesh, that, that nothing good can be accomplished through the flesh. So the flesh, it, it's not an excuse, it's just a reality that yes man I am blessed and I am loved but I still have this gravitational pull inside of me that's connected to me although I am in Christ who is the last Adam Paul said the first Adam is still in me by way of my flesh not an excuse it's just a reality I'm no longer in Adam I am now in Christ but Adam is still attached to me it's like a train. The train has the engine and it has the caboose. When Jesus came into our lives, he changed the engine. He changed the heart. We're new people. But connected to the engine, the new heart, is a caboose called the flesh that is holding on and will not go away until the Lord separates us and gives us a new body like his so until that day, man, we, we, we're all wrestling. We're all in a civil war. And I'm here to suggest today that this war is not won based on which side you feed the most. We've heard that. There's some truth to that. The flesh, the spirit. Feed the spirit more than you feed the flesh. Well, I'm going to say something today, and I hope that it sets us free, that it's not about you feeding the spirit. And the flesh is going to feed whether you feed it or not. It's about submitting who we submit to, not what we feed, is what changes. Who we submit to 
because the flesh is calling me to submit to it. And the Holy Spirit is calling me and leading me to submit to him. It's not about feeding. It's about submitting. So let's talk about the spiritual war. If we're in a war, let's talk first about the war that was going on in the church in Corinth. So turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. So although I'm preaching topically, I'm always going to be textual. Okay, so I'm not just going to bring we're going to get to the fruits of the spirit. It's going to be so good. We're going to hit them this week and next week. But but I got to set up context so we understand what's going on. There was spiritual war in the church at Galatia. The problem in the Galatians church is found in chapter one, verses six through seven, where Paul said to that church by way of letter, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him. Stop. Y'all are turning from Jesus. And y'all are turning to religion. You're in trouble as a Christian if you can have a faith that does not center in the person of Jesus. You don't have faith. You got more of a religion. You got more of outward conformity. No, this is about intimacy with God getting to know him through the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, I'm so disappointed in this church because y'all are turning so soon away from him, from Jesus. He would say to the church at Corinth, he would say that y'all have been deceived by the devil so much that you have left the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Y'all gotten so deep and so spiritual. You're speaking in tongues and prophesying and trying to heal and you have forgotten Jesus in the midst of all of your spiritual exploits. And God will not be mocked or fooled by that. He's always looking at where our hearts are with him. My God. So he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Y'all started in the spirit. Now y'all are trying to attain spiritual growth in the flesh. Jesus saved you, but now discipleship is up to you. And all these rules that people are setting up around you and saying, let's pick up the law of Moses. That is what was going on in the church of Galatia. These people called Judaizers had crept into the church and they said, it's not just enough to have Jesus. You got to have Jesus and Moses. You got to have Jesus and the law. And Paul was like, that's not the gospel I preach to y'all. That's not the gospel that brought you into the kingdom. That's a different gospel. That's works-based, man-centered, performance-driven, rule-keeping. No, 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 no. There's a problem in that church. But here's the solution for the Galatian church. He said in Galatians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He told them, stand fast, therefore. In the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So the solution is to stand firm in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Stand firm in what he did for you and not in what you feel you need to do for him because man says so. Be liberated. Be, be set free by Jesus. He set you free. Stand firm in that. 
He's going to say later, and do not use your freedom to appease your flesh, but man, stand in the grace of Jesus. Stand in the freedom that he provides. And boy, do we still need this today. When my wife and I go walking in our neighborhood, we try to walk every day, except on uh, Sundays. And because uh, on Sunday, we're walking for the Lord in church. But, uh, but <laughs> we try to walk for him every day. But uh, there's a couple, a, a husband and a wife, who walk their dogs in our neighborhood. And what I've noticed about this couple is they're walking two of the same breed of dogs. The two dogs look alike. The two dogs walk alike. They are the same color. They are the same size. And they have the same owners. But here's what always gets my attention. Whenever they walk these two dogs who are the same size, same breed, same color, same owners, one of them has a leash on it. The other one does not. And I'm like, what's the story here? Why is that one on a leash? And I always say, Lord, when I see them, I want to live like that dog without the leash. Free. But we got a lot of Christians who want the leash of the law on them. When Jesus sets you free from the law. Uh, Jesus wants you free and not in bondage to rule setting and rule keeping and legalism from men and women, from church. He wants you free. He doesn't want you under any kind of yoke of bondage. And even when we dress it up with religious clothes, it's still bondage. There are times I know our freedom in Christ offends people. The fact that we're going to have children come next Sunday dressed in costumes to have a good time and get candy, it offends people because they make up rules. It's got to be in here somewhere that says you can't do that. But see, in my faith, I don't focus on what I can't do. Man, I live freely thanking God for what I can do. Now, just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it because some of us know if I do that, it's going to bring me into bondage. So therefore, man, it might be bondage for me or, or trouble for me, but that don't mean I need to cast my thing on you or against you. Maybe in this area, I'm weak and you're stronger in that area. That's how it's supposed to work out. But man, we're free to line dance and everything else. But legalism will try to put a leash on you and try to condemn you. Man, Jesus set us free. How come your disciples don't wash their hands in the tradition of the elders? Man, y'all talking about washing hands, your hearts are dirty. Y'all concerned about this outward conformity. But you tore up from the floor up in your soul. And when you stand before God, you, you, you say, I'm so glad I'm not like these other people. But those other people say, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Which man goes home justified? The man who recognizes Lord Jesus. Without you, I'm nothing. But with you, I am something in everything. 
That's the gospel. That's the good news. It's not good news when folk try to give you a law. Well, that was the war in that church. It still happens today. I don't have time to talk about Christian nationalism in the church. I don't have time today to talk about if you're a Christian, you're supposed to vote this way. It's in here somewhere, right? Second hesitations. But rules, laws, we try to add to what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus. Like just knowing Jesus is not enough. I got to add these laws to it or denominations to it and, and all this stuff. And Paul said, that's a different gospel. Help us, God. But now the spiritual war in every believer. Okay, it's in churches, but in every believer. We read from verse 17 about this tug of war, this civil war between the flesh and the spirit. And the only way to have victory over the flesh, as we're going to see as we read in a moment, is to walk in the spirit. It's not to make rules. It's to walk in the spirit, which means to depend on him, to live in him. Look at verse 16 of Galatians 5. This spiritual warfare is in every believer. Recognize he's writing to the church. And he said, I say then. Oh, boy. Then points me up to verses 13 and 14. When he talks about, he says, uh, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then. If you want to be a Christian who's known for love, which is what we're supposed to be known for, not by our bite. Some Christians are known by their bite. They just mean they bite and devour. Not just other Christians, but lost people. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you bite? No, no, don't do that. So in order to live where we're loving God, loving our neighbor, and loving ourselves, we need help then. Because if I don't get help from God, I will bite. I will devour. Christians, non-Christians, I will be mean as all get out. Because as we're going to see, it's love that is the indicator of being a follower of Jesus. Not your doctrinal stance, not your voting uh, position. It's love. Mm -hmm. Man, that just sounds real soft, Pastor Chris. Well, the one I worship. He talks about, man, don't resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you on one side, turn the other side. Give him the other cheek. Wait a minute. No, hold on. That's that Sermon on the Mount stuff, right? Well, that doesn't line up with our war principles. In America, we big and bad, and we, we do this. And Wait a minute. I thought we were a Christian nation, and, uh, and we stand against oppression. And Oh, 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 that, that, that's just lip service. I know I ain't by myself. I know I got a witness or two out here. 
And he says in verse 16, oh, it's hard though, because in my flesh, please, I want to return evil for evil. But in the spirit, I can return blessing for curses. It ain't natural to do that. It must be a supernatural power and relationship that causes you to act in a way that is different from the world. And uh, see, religion performs in front of people. But flesh shows the real deal when you at home by yourself. Even when you perform in front of people, that's raggedy right there. The men and I, man, we're on anger right now. So Friday, this past week, we talked about Cain. And this week, uh, I think we're going to get into Moses. Anger. One day, my wife and I were going somewhere, and I had to finish a text. And I don't want to text and drive. So we stop at the stop sign so I can finish this text. This important. And it took me a while to put this text together. And I look up. And one of my neighbors, well, he's around the corner. He's watering his lawn, doing something out there. And he keeps looking at the car like we're a threat in the neighborhood. Like, who are y'all? He just keeps looking. All of a sudden, I get angry. I'm like, man, what you looking at? I live here. I have every right to be here. I'm stopping here. I'm not like stopping to get ready to do a drive by. All this is going, flesh just jump. Woo. And here come my helper. Honey, calm down. I just got mad. Fuse just went. I was full of the spirit, then sprung a leak real quick. I'm like, man, what you looking at, man? And I want to roll up on him like, where'd that come from? Flesh. Wife is like, honey, back it down. I got a, a crazy message from somebody on um, social media just saying some really bad stuff to me used to attend the church and said some bad stuff and uh the impulse man where my mm, i want to my helper see i got help up high help inside and help b-side because god know i need a lot of help because sometimes i ain't trying to listen to him i'm grieving the holy ghost but here come my wife. Give me your phone. I got mad at her for taking my phone so that I wouldn't sin against somebody and return evil for the evil they sent me. Don't change your membership. I'm just trying to keep it real with you because this is what you go through too. We ain't talking about road rage right now. We, we, we just, you can snap. You can pop. You just flesh is impulsive, man. And the Holy Spirit is there whispering like. Look at verse 19. Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh. And this list is not exhaustive. There's a lot more to this list, but but he said the works of the flesh are evident, Christians, which are adultery, fornication, sexual sins always got to top the list off, you know. (laughs) Uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, 
sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Well, there I go. Selfish ambitions and the like. And that's your stuff right there and the like. That's my stuff. And a rule is not going to deal with this stuff. It's going to inflate this stuff. A relationship is what delivers from this stuff. Not laws, not rules, not outward conformity. And he goes on to say, uh, let's see here, let's see here. Uh, 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 verse 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice, who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who live like this. We talked to the men and said there's a difference between getting angry and staying angry. I get angry because I'm human. I won't stay angry because I love Jesus. And I want to live a righteous life that he requires. Anger is about me. But man, God tells me to be about him and other people. So I can't live righteous if I'm angry. Unless it's a righteous anger. Oh, God. He said, man, those who live like this, those who practice this, they're just showing that they don't know the king from above. Mm, Jesus. Verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit. So let's go to the third and final point. The spiritual war can be won. The spiritual war in the church, the spiritual war in every believer. But the spiritual war can be won. When he says, but that's the contrast. This stuff is bad. But this stuff is real. It man. But thank God for this contrast right here. You see, spiritual victory is obtained by less perspiration and more capitulation. That's what you mean. The pers perspiration. I got to read my Bible, 500 chapters. And maybe God will take all this stuff away. Mm, yeah, you read 500 chapters and the stuff is worse. Now you're more aware of the stuff you've been doing because you've been reading. <laughs> Less perspiration. Oh, let me just pray and fast and roll around on the ground. Okay, praying and fasting is good. Reading your Bible is good. But we can do that stuff and miss intimacy with God. We can do that stuff to perform and pat myself on the back. I'd rather spend five intimate moments with Jesus and five long Holy Ghost hours. Well, it ain't Holy Ghost hours. Five long religious hours and don't change. Some of us come to church for an hour and a half and leave out the same way we came in because we won't have an encounter with the living God which is checking the box religiously. And we say church ain't real. It don't work. It don't work for you. But man, this Paul said it's God's house here. These are God's people. God's spirit fills the temple. I'm hungry for God. Felicia's up here singing. That girl was going off. Thank you, Jesus. Something happens when we come together. But my flesh don't want it, though. Make up all kind of excuses not to come to church. A lot of times I come because I'm paid to be here. But, but, but. 
Sometimes I'm like, man, I don't feel like going. Get up. You the pastor. You got to go. But we all feel that sometimes. The spirit is willing, Jesus said. But what? Flesh is weak. Constant struggle. Man, thank God for online church. Man, there's some folk I haven't seen since COVID. (laughs) Nothing wrong with your health. You just don't want to come. Okay, all right, praise the Lord. We ain't going to put a rule on you. Capitulation is the act of surrendering, yielding, submitting, giving in, acquiescing, and laying down our arms. Oh, this goes against the manly way, the American way, the evangelical way. Strength in the kingdom is found in weakness. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Because God is like, oh, you're going to try to be strong in your own strength? Okay, I'm going to back up right here and, and, and let you go ahead and do it in your own strength. I don't need God. Okay. But when you say, I need you, God, I can't do this without you. This is when Paul says, I delight in being weak. I delight in persecutions and infirmities. For when I'm weak, that's when the power of Jesus rests on me. But if I think I don't need Jesus, the Bible says that God knows the proud from afar. But he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. But if it's about me, if it's up to me, no power, no anointing, no strength. God's strength for his followers is found in weakness. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the spirit this is contrast to the works of the flesh fruit is the product of a tree or plant that can be eaten so when there's a tree that has fruit or plant it's something that can be eaten and it contains seed which is the ability to create more so let's work with this metaphor the fruit of the spirit fruit gives life to others and has the capacity to produce more life through its seeds. So as we're growing in Jesus Christ, other people are being encouraged by our lives. They are eating fruit off of our tree because the Holy Spirit is birthing this fruit in our lives and it benefits other people. But the works of the flesh do not benefit people. There's people saying, oh, I better pray for that brother. I better pray for that sister. Man, it seems like every time I'm around this person, it's just so much negativity. They claim to know the Lord. I know nobody's perfect, but every time I see you, you complaining. You struggling all the time with somebody that got on your nerves again. Where's the fruit? Where's the submission? And here's the good thing about it. I don't have to make the fruit. I submit to the spirit and the fruit is born. It just comes. So I'm not aiming for love, but the Holy Spirit shed love abroad in my heart, Romans 5, 5. So when I submit to the Holy Spirit, I can love. I can love my Muslim neighbor, my Palestinian neighbor, my Christian neighbor, my gay neighbor, my evangelical neighbor, my rich, my poor, my black. I can love. I can love 
Why? Because he loved me first. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, it's about to get gooder and gooder. Fruit is positive growth. Fruit is productivity. But the fruit of the spirit, what the spirit produces. When uh, we were in college and we were dating, in order to get my wife her engagement ring, I had to work at a grocery store. I was traveling the country as a Christian rap artist making about $2.95. There's no money in it. There's no money. You know, great is my reward in heaven. And so, but I had to, (laughs) I had to get a job. And for a minute, I was a janitor. And you, because a college student, I'm traveling, you can't do, you know, big corporate jobs. So let me humble myself. And then I worked in a grocery store and they put your boy in the vegetable and fruit section. I was your produce man. I, man, I would go in there and get the fruit crates and unpack them. And uh, we didn't always get rid of the, the older fruit. We would turn the older fruit around. That's how they trained me. To turn <laughs> That rotten <laughs> Turn it. Then get your cellophane and cover that part. But I was the produce man. So even to this day, I love picking out produce. Because I know how to flip stuff and look for the rotten side. (laughs) Woo! Well, Paul gives us nine fruits. I'm going to give you one or two, and then we'll cover the rest next week. The first one is love. Y'all see that in verse 22? But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Some see this as the overarching fruit by which all the other fruit grow. I don't know. Sounds good. Might be right. But, but, but you see nine different fruits here. Love comes first. This is the word agape. And agape is a commitment of the will to seek another person's good. So agape love, man, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a choice. It's a commitment of my will to love someone else and to seek their well-being Listen to this, especially when that person doesn't deserve it or can do nothing back for me in return. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we only like to love people who love us. Jesus said even the Pharisees do that. But can you love people who are not worthy of your love? Can you love people who can give you nothing back? Can you love somebody without taking a selfie that you're loving them? Can you just love them? Because they have a need and you can help meet the need. Love acts. Love is a verb. Love acts selflessly, unconditionally, righteously, passionately, and sacrificially. For by such love, people will know we are disciples of Jesus who loved selflessly, who loved unconditionally, who loved righteously, who loved passionately, and who loved sacrificially. Jesus showed love by serving others and giving his life for them. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So don't say you love people if you're not willing to serve people. Let me back it up. Don't say you love God and you're not willing to serve God. And the way we serve God is by serving God's people in the church and out the church. Don't say you love them if you're not willing to serve. If you sit around saying, I just want to be served, you got some growing to do in the spirit. 
the fruit of the Spirit is not growing in you because you're self-centered. But when you grow, man, you're other-centered. And not only that, I'll make a sacrifice when needed with my money, with my time, whatever I got to do because the Spirit is compelling me. Not, oh boy, pastor, we, we, you know, he, going, he checking. No, I'm not checking on see what, no. Some churches do that. Got to fill this card out. Some churches do that with tithes and offerings. Got to fill this up. So, so you're not motivated by love to give. You're motivated by guilt to give. That ain't it, man. That ain't the kingdom. That ain't the gospel. Know what that is. But here's the deal, though. I'm coming to a close. You can't fake love. You can talk it. But walking it, you can only do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a shame when people who don't have the Holy Spirit, who are lost, do more loving than Christians who have the Holy Spirit. That's a trip to me. When people who don't even know God are more loving. And these other, nine, these other eight fruits, kindness and all that, woo! There's some mean Christians out here, man. You might get unkind, but do you have to stay unkind? You in the flesh, man. Oh, Lord, let me keep moving. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can't fake love. Joy, Greek word kara, is when your soul is able to celebrate, especially when your circumstances are sorrowful. Joy finds the goodness of God in the badness of life. Joy gives strength when you're tired. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is based on Jesus. And even though Jesus was described as a man of sorrows, he didn't stay there. He showed joy by enduring the cross, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He saw the joy on the other side of the suffering of the cross. And even though we're on this side of suffering, joy sees us on the other side in glory. And it causes us to well up on the inside, knowing that trouble don't last always. And earth knows no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. I've been here before. He got me out. I'm here again. He'll get me out. So let me rejoice in the Lord. Have joy again in the Lord. And a man in jail is telling the church, y'all need to have some joy again, church. And if a dude in jail got more joy than people who are not in jail, the people who are not in jail are jailed by their circumstances. Paul said, man, if I'm bound, I'm Christ's freed man. These circumstances ain't going to bind me up. Jesus sets me free. Which is why he could sing in a prison in Acts 16. You can't fake joy. You can't fake joy now. It's either real or it's not. You can't fake it. Then there's peace. Irene in the Greek is when restfulness comes. Restfulness. Especially when there is restlessness. Peace is when tranquility overrules anxiety. Some of us are known more for our anxiety than for our tranquility. You make so much out of your stress. Where's the peace of God? Paul said in Philippians 4 that the peace of God is able to surpass our understanding. Have you ever experienced that before? Or are you just so driven by anxiety? That fruit needs to develop in your life and in my life. 
Peace is when calmness comes in the face of conflict and calamity. Peace is when you remain steady in the midst of unsteady times. Jesus showed us peace by sleeping in a boat during a storm. You can't fake peace. That's why people run quick to liquor, quick to uh, getting high, quick to pills. You, 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 and even then, peace I give you, but not as the world gives peace. You can't fake peace. When, when, when the Holy Spirit just gives you peace and you know, and you can feel the prayers of the saints being the wind beneath your wings, and you ought to be losing your mind, but you're still in your right mind. It's the Holy Spirit giving you the fruit of peace in your life. And people don't understand how come you haven't given up yet. Peace of God. My God. You can't fake spiritual fruit. The fruit is either real or it's not. My mother, she would decorate the house. And she would, nine times out of ten, Baltimore family don't get upset with me, I'm just telling the truth. My mama would have fake fruit in the house. Did you grow up with fake fruit in your house? Fake fruit. There it is right there. That's fake fruit. Fake fruit. And I would be like, now why did she set this stuff out? As a boy, I would bite it sometimes just to, you know, it's plastic. I just, you know, put teeth marks in it just to mess with her. Other times, I would be tempted to take the orange and use it as a baseball. Plastic. Now, from a distance, the plastic fruit, fake fruit, will fool you. From a distance. But the closer you get up to it, the closer you get to fake fruit, you realize this stuff don't look real. Then you realize it has no smell. It has no taste. It has no seed. And in my mind, it has no benefit. Why are you putting this out here? But mama will put it out because I guess because it didn't spoil or whatever. She would put the, the fake stuff out. Well, the spirit does for us what the flesh could never do. The spirit produces real fruit, spiritual fruit in our lives that benefits other people. Not just from afar, but when they get up close to you. They can smell the aroma of Jesus. They taste something different when they talk to you. There's a seed in you that, that, that gives forth life in others and, and, and there's fruit popping out of your life. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. So the fruit doesn't come again from sweating. And, no, it comes from remaining and abiding and submitting and acquiescing to the spirit of God. And something will happen in you that you can't do in your own strength, i.e. in the flesh. Spiritual fruit comes by intimacy Paul said but this I say walk in the spirit you ever go for a walk with somebody and you're walking and talking and you're just having a good time and and that's why again when my wife and I walk we're talking we're getting caught up some days I'm doing all the talking other days most days she's doing all the talking and you know we're 
I'm getting caught up. I'm learning. I'm listening and I'm hearing all the burdens and praise the Lord. And I'm giving her some sermon illustrations and I'm trying to work some stuff out and relationship through walking. Walking in the spirit is walking in relationship with the spirit of God talking to him and listening to him and he speaks to you through the word of God oh my I like going to the airport sometimes because in the airport there are these things called moving conveyor belts I love them I thank God I'm healthy enough I can walk but when I see one of them bad boys I'm making my way over to the conveyor belt and I get on there and I'm on a belt. And what it does, y'all know how it works. There's this power underneath you that's taking you along the way on your journey. That's getting you from here to there. And you're on this thing. And when you start walking with the thing that's moving underneath you, you're able to move a little bit more fluidly. You're able to get to where you're going a little quicker. And you're not exerting as much energy because the thing under you is doing the bulk of the work. And you're just gliding on top of And when you walk with the Holy Spirit, he is the power in you. He's the power around you. He's the power under you that's allowing you to glide when you walk. You don't have to stress and strain. The Holy Spirit, walk in the spirit, man. And sometimes when I find those conveyors, your boy is tired sometimes. And I get on them things sometimes, and I don't even walk. I just let it carry me. And the Holy Spirit will carry you when you don't have much strength. Because when you run out of your strength, that's when his strength really kicks in. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with these kids. I'm about to knock, choke. I'm, Lord, help me, Jesus. You need to just rest in the Holy Spirit and let him carry you a little bit. And then sometimes when I'm in the airport, not only am I tired, I got a lot of luggage and baggage sometimes. And, and so when I find that conveyor, I'm like, whoo, I can rest my bags. Some of us say, I've seen people, they're the health nuts. They, they, they see the conveyor. They say, I'm not getting on a conveyor. I'm going to carry all my bags and I'm going to walk around this thing that's designed for me to help me out. I don't need that. A lot of Christians are like that. The Holy Spirit is here to help me in my walk with God, but I don't need him. I'm going to carry all this stuff myself because I got strength. I'm young. I got energy. I know a couple of Bible verses. Okay, we're going to catch you in the fourth terminal tired. We're going to catch you somewhere. But have you ever, have you ever been so disappointed? Like, like sometime, man, I'm walking, I'm looking for the conveyor. I'm looking for the conveyor belt. And it's broken. Man, I get sad. I'm like, I got to keep carrying all this stuff. I can't get on the thing and let it carry me. And I can't walk smooth. I can't glide. It's broken. Oh, strong tower. The conveyor belt through the Holy Spirit, he's never broken. He's always working. <laughs> He'll carry you. Walk in him. Walk on him. Walk through him. And he'll glide you. He'll guide you. He'll take you. He'll carry you along the way. And fruit will just start popping. Fruit will just start popping. Stuff you didn't know you could do. Patience you didn't know you had. Self-control you didn't know. Kind, just popping. And you might be like, wow, that's coming out of me. Yeah, it's coming out of you. Because it's the Holy Spirit doing the work. Stand on your feet and let's pray.
Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Walk in the spirit now. Because when I walk in my flesh, bad things happen. Some of y'all, we know what's going to happen. Okay, me too. Somebody might get cussed out. Some of us are succumbing to fear. All kind of things from the flesh, man. But next week, when we close this up, we're not only going to talk about submitting to the spirit, but we're going to then talk about a responsibility we have to crucify some stuff. To get violent with some stuff. Let's pray. Go, oh God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Lord, I did my best to teach it and preach it. But the best stuff happens when your people get along with you. Lord, I pray that this week that they would read Galatians, the book, chapter 5. And, and, and Lord, let you teach them about the war that's going on. And show them, show me that victory can be won. We can overcome because we have overcome. We can live in victory because we have the victory. Knowing who we are in Christ and what you've given us and who you've given us. Oh, Jesus, keep strong tower free. Keep strong tower, Lord, in love. Thank you, God, for the simplicity that is in Christ and the power that is, that is in the gospel. Mm. I pray for that person right now, God, who's really, really struggling. And that's a sign that the flesh is trying to resist the work of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, might we all surrender and say, God, have your way. Lord, I'm sorry for fighting in my own strength. I'm sorry for trying to do it my way and for my glory. I'm sorry for really believing another gospel, a different gospel, for trying to get perfected and holy in my own strength. Oh God, forgive me. And resurrect me, Jesus, because I am resurrected with you. Do a work, Jesus. Bear fruit in my life, Jesus. Oh God, I thank you. Now unto this great God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine and it's according to the power that's working in us. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Did you get something today? Did you get something? Hug somebody before you go. Long as they don't bite, hug them. Long as they don't bite, 